Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Hey, good morning. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for taking the time out. There's a a lot of people on, on Facebook, YouTube, live. But thank you for taking the time to look at our services. We're going to dive right into it. We're going to talk about Christ, our hope and life and death. Christ, our hope and life and death. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the resurrection. Thank you for his life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his intercession, his soon return. We're so very grateful for sending Jesus to die in our place so that we can receive the love of God that, so we can receive the, the blessing of Abraham so we can be redeemed from the curse of the law. We're so very grateful this morning. And Father, we thank you. I pray, Father, grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe. Grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance, that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's dive right into it. If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As children of God, we celebrate the resurrection every single day of our lives. It is because of what God did through Christ that we are saved. God the Father raised Christ from the dead by the Holy Spirit, and nothing is more central to our faith than the resurrection of the Lord. This, this week I listened to a message um, on the resurrection of Christ, and it was excellent, excellent. Just feeding my faith, thinking about the resurrection, even thinking about this particular um, ser sermon. The entire Bible points to this one weekend that took place in Jerusalem. We're talking about the birth, the life, the death and the resurrection of Christ. The entire Bible focuses on that particular weekend. That resurrection is essential to our salvation. Have you ever wondered what would happen if your heart ever stopped functioning? We would die immediately. So think about the resurrection as the heartbeat of Christianity. It is our foundation. If there is no resurrection of Christ, there is no Christianity. If there's no death of Christ, there is no Christianity. So the resurrection of Christ is the foundation for the Christian faith. Let's dive right into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. First one, it says, now I will remind you, brothers and sisters of the gospel, I preach to you what you received and what you stand. Let's just stop there. Here, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he's reminding them of the gospel that he preached to them. I'm going to take a little pause here. The importance of being reminded as human beings. One of our weaknesses is one of our weaknesses is that the fact that we tend to forget we see over and over and over throughout the scriptures how God repeats himself. And how many know if God is repeating himself, we need to pay attention to it. So here, Paul is doing something what I call repetition. Repetition is the mother of education and the mother of learning. And so he's reminding these believers of the gospel. That lets us, to, let, this lets us know 
that the gospel is not just for unbelievers, but it's also for believers. We need to be reminded of this good news. The word gospel simply means good news. As a minister of the gospel, it is my responsibility to remind you what the, what the Lord has said in his word, what the gospel is, and what God accomplished in Christ. We need this reminder. We need to hear about the resurrection of the cross again and again and again. We know from the scripture in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Notice it didn't say that faith comes by heaven heard, but faith comes by hearing, present tense, hearing the word of God. So we need to hear the word of God constantly. We, again, we have a tendency to forget. We need to hear about checking our motives. As, as I talk about different things, I always check my motives. Whatever you do, you need to say, why are you doing it? Are you doing this for money? Are you doing this for fame? Are you doing it for something else? Why are you saying what you're saying? Is it to manipulate and control or is it to simply remind or encourage the people that's listening to you? So we need to hear what really happened at the cross. We don't have enough cross preaching, resurrection preaching in, in, in the world. And so we need books about it. I never forget this. I, I must have been in junior high school. I might have been in eighth grade, ninth grade. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And when I say he's, the Lord speaks to me, I'm not talking about with these ears. I'm talking about with my heart. The Lord spoke to my heart and says, you need to study the cross. You need to get every info, all the information that you can get your hands on and you need to study the cross, go through the scriptures. And I started in Isaiah 53 and I began to look at that. And of course I started in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John looking at the cross and the resurrection. But if you're not careful, you can read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can see that our redemption was accomplished, but you don't know what actually took place or the benefits of the cross or the redemption being accomplished until you read the epistles, the letters written to the church from Paul to Peter to John and so forth. We see those different applications, how this is fleshed out. How do we live? How do we appropriate what Jesus accomplished for us at the cross? So here, Paul is reminding the people of God of what the gospel that he preached to them. With that said, let's go to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, I can hear your Bibles flipping, or your phones flipping, no, most likely your phones. <laughs> 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 says this. It says, I think it, it is right, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. One translation says, by the way of remembrance. How many know you need to stir up your remembrance, especially what God has done for us? It's easy to forget what the Lord has established for us in Christ. So go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. It says this, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters of the gospel, I preach to you what you have received, what you received, and what you stand, which you stand. I want to focus on those two words, receive and stand. This gospel, they receive the gospel. So it's not enough to hear the good news of Christ, but we must receive it. I, I, I kind of come to hate the word accepting Christ as opposed to receiving. Because you can accept anybody on your Facebook or social media, but to receive is a different story. 
And I believe the word receive in the Greek actually means to hold on and not let go. Accepting, you can accept facts, but to receive something is a totally different matter. Receive. They receive the gospel. Hearing the gospel doesn't guarantee your salvation, but receiving it does. Not only did they receive the gospel, they are standing by the gospel. That's, that's a whole nother sermon. So you should receive the gospel and you need to stand by the gospel. In other words, when we talk about standing by the gospel, we need to stand on the gospel as our sure foundation. We need to stand through the gospel. In Christ, we live and move and have our existence. So it is through the lens of Christ and the gospel that we see life. We raise our children. We deal with our money. We work, we work through the lens of the gospel. We think about life, whether we're eating or sleeping or working out. All these forms of life, all these different things we do in life, we look at it through the lens of the gospel. Standing on the gospel, standing through the gospel, and standing by the gospel. Verse 2. That's just verse one. That, that's powerful. We can quit here and go home. and Oh, you're already at home. Ha, ah, gotcha. Verse 2. And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Let's take a look at what Paul is saying. And being saved, I thought that was interesting because it didn't say you were saved, but it says you're being saved, which speaks of present tense. You're being saved. So this gospel not only saved us, but it is saving us. And we shall be saved in the future. The gospel of Jesus has enough power in it that it dominates three tenses. Past, present, and future. As we study the epistles, we understand that we were saved, we're being saved, and we shall be saved. Our spirit man, when we received Christ and received this wonderful good news, we were saved. At that moment, we received the work of Jesus into our lives. And this gospel is saving us. In James 1, it says, receive the engrafted word of God with meekness, which is able to save your soul. So our bodies, our spirits, our souls are being saved. And the end is we shall be saved. Our spirit, was, we were saved. Our soul has been saved and our bodies shall be saved. When we got saved, if you were heavy, fat, or skinny, guess what? You, your body didn't change when you got saved. If you were bald before you got saved, you're bald after you got saved. So that, that is just the fact, right? And so in the future, we're going to receive brand new bodies. I'm looking forward to my brand new body. In the meantime, you didn't work on this body, right? I hear you. I hear you. But we were saved, been saved, and shall be saved. So our redemption will be complete at the return of Christ. So here Paul is saying this gospel that you received is saving you, is saving you. Even if you think about what's happening now in the world with this plague, we are being saved every day. We go out to work for those who are still working outside or going, have to commute, go into the office. You are being saved. Even if you're at home, you're being saved as you receive your mail or receive those Amazon packages. Yeah. And you need to be careful, right? Wear gloves and let it, you know, 
dip, let it just sit for a while or spray it as my wife does it. <laughs> she sprays the box. We're being saved. The Lord, in, through his gospel, is saving us. This salvation is not only spiritual, but it deals with our physical health. And you have every right. Last week we talked about living Psalm 91. You have every right to expect the promises of Psalm 91 to be appropriated in your life. So here it says, we're being saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And so as you take hold of that word, you're being saved. Amen. This gospel, it, 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 it sustains us. This gospel doesn't only, we were saved, but we're being saved. And I, I love that the fact that what Jesus did covers the past, present, and future. His blood is that powerful. His life is that powerful. His birth is that powerful. His death is that powerful. His resurrection is that powerful. His soon return is that powerful that it covers past, present, and future. Verse three, let's look at verse three. For I delivered to you as the first importance, which I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Christ died for our sins. Let's take a look at this. Paul believes that the gospel should be priority. It should be the first importance. The very first thing that a believer should, when the person receives Christ and receives this gospel, they should learn what the gospel is. What took place? What did God actually accomplish? This gospel must be priority. It's not something that we hear once, but it's something that we need to hear again and again and again and again and again. Um, John Calvin, who was a reformer, actually said that we need to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. The confession of the word of God reminds us of what God did for us in Christ. Notice that the first importance is Christ died for our sins, for our sins. So I do have about four questions for us to look at in light of Christ dying for our sins. So when you go up to a person who's not saved and you tell them Christ died for your sins, what does that actually mean to a person? What are they hearing? So they have to have some type of background about sin. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's just a general statement and it's, and it's not meaning anything for them. Christ died for your sins. What does that mean? So here are some questions that I wrote down as I meditated over this passage. What is sin? What is sin? So you must understand what sin is. If Christ died for our sins or because of our sins, what is it? What is the sin? Sin, a, def a simple definition is disobedience to God. So a person must understand that they have disobeyed God somewhere in their life and probably is still disobeying God at some point. Whether it's the Ten Commandments, which is a good point to use. You know, have you ever murdered? Or have you ever thought about murdering? Have you ever thought about hating? Or did, did you have hatred in your heart towards someone? That can be equal to murder, according to Jesus. Have you ever lusted upon a person and desired them sexually? Well, you might not have committed adultery, but if you had a desire for it and you thought about it, according to Jesus, you've already committed that sin. So Jesus has taken the Ten Commandments and has made us look at it in light of our motives and our hearts. And so what is sin? Sin is disobedience. If God tells us to go right and we go left, we just sin. For example, to fear is to, to really be sinful. It's you're sinning with your fear because when God tells us to fear not, 
you have just disobeyed him. To worry about something is sinning. To talk too much is to, is to really be sinful or sinning. The Bible says um, that we should listen twice as much as we talk. I mean, I paraphrased it twice as much, but he's given us one mouth and two ears. So we should listen twice as much as we talk. And the Bible says where there's much talking, sin is not lacking. So you're going to sin if you talk a whole lot. <laughs> so the Bible says to study, to be quiet and mind your own business. When you mind the business of others, even on the social media, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, whatever the case may be, Facebook or MySpace, if you love PD, I still got MySpace. I still do. Yeah, you can log in. PD loves Jesus. All right. That's my MySpace name. Um, yes, it is still, it's still alive. <laughs> Let me get back in the spirit. <laughs> um, here we go. What is sin? Sin is disobedience to God. So we've all sinned according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And until a person believes that, that they're not normal, they can't receive Christ. Their understanding of what Christ did doesn't make sense to them. And so if, we, if you think that we're okay, then we're not. With that said, before I go into the other three questions, I, I want to give you an example of what happened to me recently. I, I work, I work 40 hours a plus a week. Sometimes I work seven days a week. And so here I am at work and these three friends of mine decided to ask me a question. And the big question came up about homosexuality. Do you believe that a person can be born a homosexual? Or do you believe, why do y'all always condemn people when they're born this way? And so they, they asked the wrong person. <laughs> and so what I did is I said, listen, let me tell you something. The, the, the question is not really dealing with homosexuality. The question is dealing with the fact that you and I are not okay. We think that we're okay in our own eyes. So whether, so you can be born a certain way or have a tendency for certain things, but doesn't necessarily mean that you should motivate cultivate that or encourage that, right? So for example, you may have a tendency to lie. Does that mean that you yield yourself to lying? You may have a tendency to steal or even to be, have addictive personality and be, get a high or get drunk or uh, I, I, I be, have a tendency to be angry. I mean, I remember as a kid, I, I had a serious angry pro anger problem. Uh, I felt like I almost killed a person. We won't talk about that. That's in the past because the Bible says all things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. The, the person said, your daddy. And I flipped out. My dad had just died and I just like lost it. And, and the devil came upon me. Uh -huh. So we won't talk about that. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. So I told the individuals, I said, it doesn't matter what place you find yourself in, but you're not OK. We're not OK. Because it's not about making a person who's gay straight. That's beyond what the gospel does. A person needs to be born again, even if they're fit, fit, felt like they're born this way. And so I went in and I talked about how God sees sin differently than the way we do. So what you're calling judgment is not me judging you. I'm just echoing the voice of God, echoing the thoughts of God. And so when God says it's wrong, it's wrong, regardless of how I feel about it or how you feel about it. And Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, even if you feel have same sex attraction or opposite attraction, deny yourself. And I told them that I deal with homosexuals the same way I deal with fornicators, adulterers, gossipers, 
people who, who, who allow their anger to control them, people who are, are drunkards, people who get high, people who, who go to parties all the time, people who have racism. I deal with all of them the same because we all start at ground zero when it comes to Christ. We all need Jesus. And I know people think that D.L. Moody, or Hootie, or Higley, um, quoted that phrase, we, we y'all just need Jesus. But the Bible actually echoes that. And so, uh, the Bible, he's echoing, he's echoing the Bible, and we all need Jesus. And what I was able to help them to see, that it doesn't matter your sexual orientation, it doesn't matter what you have tendency towards, you need to be born again. And the reason why you need to be born again is because you and I are sinners outside of Christ, and that we're on our way to a burning hell. And every sin that we've ever committed, it's a hell, it's, it's a worth a hell of eternity. Every sin that we've ever committed is worth an eternity of hell. And so that lets me know that I need somebody to save me. And so I was able to preach the gospel to them. I said, I love people regardless of their sexual orientation, but I'm not going to sit back and not say nothing. If you're bold enough to tell me you're gay, I'm bold enough to tell you you need to change. If you're bold enough to tell me that you're having an affair on your wife or your husband, I'm bold enough to tell you that that's wrong and you need Jesus. <laughs> if you want to call that judgment, you all, you, we judge ourselves all the time. I digress. So the first question that we need to ask ourselves, what is sin? The second is, how did or does sin affect the human heart and life? How does this sin, this disobedience affect all of us? The Bible says one man sinned and we all became sinners. And it's through one man's obedience we all become righteous as we receive him. What do, why does sin offend God? God is offended at sin. We, we, we think lightly of sin, right? We, we think, oh, that's okay. It's okay to cuss. It's okay to steal. I, I've seen people steal different chemicals for my job. Uh, because those chemicals kill the, the, the virus, right? <laughs> I mean, you're still, you're sitting. I mean, that's, that's, a that's a sin to steal. Uh, people steal time, right? You're only supposed to be on a time clock and you're not doing your job. That's sinning. So why does sin offend God? Because God is a holy God, right? What did Jesus accomplish through his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection? We're talking about Christ, our hope in life and in death. To tell a person that Jesus died for the sins might not be enough without the background of what it is, why, what is important, why is it important that Jesus died for our sins. It's not enough to look at the passion of Christ because many people went to, the, to solve the, the passion and didn't know why Jesus died because that film does not display the reasons why Jesus died on the cross. It's only showed Jesus dying on the cross and I think it touched people's emotions and people are crying because they saw innocent men, innocent men die, but they don't know why he died. So my first point is that Christ died for our sins. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, so I deliver to you as the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. It is through the disobedience of Adam that we are offensive to God. God is holy and his wrath is upon all humanity. When we talk about wrath, we're talking about his judgment, his anger. He is righteous and just. We are unrighteous and we're unjust. Until you believe that you're not okay, 
you'll never see the need for Christ. Christ is not about making a better version of yourself, but he's about invading your world and being the propitiation for the wrath of God, satisfying the wrath of God. The wrath of God is upon all those who are born into this world. But God has provided, provided a sacrifice to appease his own wrath that is upon humanity. Christ drunk the cup of the wrath of God and satisfied our creator. He took our place in order to save us from the wrath or from the judgment or from the anger of God. He died for our sins. He did not die for himself, but he died for our sins. He became sin for us. Not that he sinned, but he became sin for us. He was smitten by God. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Bible talks about the Lord crushing him. He was despised and rejected. And with his stripes, we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted so that we can have freedom. He died both physically and spiritually. What is spiritual death? It is separation from God the Father. There are many people who are alive physically, but they're dead spiritually. Whenever you and I are not connected to God through Christ, we are dead spiritually. He is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He took the place for the, of the unrighteous. He died in order to bring us to the Father. He died to, to bring us to the Father. He became poor so that we can be rich. He took upon our infirmities so that we can have his health. He became a curse for us so that we can receive the blessing of Abraham. This is a divine exchange that took place at the cross. This is why these are some of the reasons of what actually took place at the cross, that he became the ugly thing that we are in order to become the beautiful thing that he is, who is the son of God. I'm going to stop there. I want you to continue to enjoy and meditate on these truths that Jesus died for our sins. And if you, you never received Christ as, as your Lord and your Savior, I want to encourage you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's not a formula, but it is a heartfelt faith reality. Now, when you call upon the name of Jesus, Jesus will deliver you from the wrath to come. Father, I thank you for your people. May we reflect upon what Jesus has accomplished so that we can live in the reality of our redemption in Jesus name. Amen. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.